If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The following podcast is an enticing media production. She is a business owner, best-selling author, and on a mission to find out what the Nell is going on here. Here's your host, Nail Tice. Welcome back to another episode of the What the Nell podcast. I am so excited. Today we're taking a little bit of a turn from last week's episode where it was all about friendship and it was pretty lighthearted and we got into some deep stuff, but you know, it was really just all about, you know, fun and and friends and how you can support your friends in whatever they're doing, their endeavors in life. And this week, I am very excited. I have my guest on whose name is Lauren Muller. Uh, she is, I would say, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I can use the term lifelong friend because we really only started becoming closer and more like friends later in our lives, but there is a legitimate picture of myself at her baptism because our parents have been friends for many, many, many years. So needless to say, we've known each other for a very long time. <laughs> so, I would like to trump the uh, Monroes with the 36 years versus oh, okay. 15. <laughs> Did you just say 36 years? Yeah, because I'm 36 years old. It just hit me how old I am. Like that's yeah. what, that's what have, I have, that. have fun in November. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much. I'm going to be 24 in November. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I am, well, here, here's my guest, Lauren Muller. Um, she is, today we're going to be talking about, so this one is for the ladies uh, and men too, if you're interested in knowing more about this subject. Uh, today we're talking about hormonal birth control, the lasting effects, and uh, PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. And it's I don't think it's something that's talked about often enough. I don't think that we talk about our past enough with um, our involvement in artificial hormones and the, the types of things that our body go through when we're dealing with those things. So we are getting a bit serious today, but this is, you know, that's life. Sometimes you got to take the ups and the downs and the good with the bad. And so, you know, everybody can learn something from this, I think. And Lauren is the perfect example to teach us more about this because she herself is someone who does struggle with PCOS and its symptoms. So Official welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being willing to um, have this subject talked about yeah. uh, on your podcast. I know it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but um, I appreciate, you know, just a little bit more um, insight and exposure. Yeah, of course. To, I mean, that's to what this is. 
that's the goal, you know, bring it, bring the exposure. And, you know, if you can help somebody else that's also going through some of the similar, some of the same symptoms and similarities, then that's always a bonus too. So, you know, the, I think one of the biggest goals in podcasting is to be able to get messages out there and inform people, just educate people so that we can learn. And it's just another avenue to go down to learn something about something you may not know much about. So and I, I like to think that even though me specifically, we're talking about PCOS, I think a lot of the discussion might end up being tailored to a more general idea of advocation for yourself and, right. um, you know, something that perhaps anyone who's going through anything um, and they feel like something isn't right with them, you know, yeah. hopefully they, they continue to fight for an answer and, and keep going and don't just stop with whatever the first thing is they're told. Yes, that's huge. That's major, major, major. So yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I did come up with a series of some questions for you and that uh, we thought we put our heads together and we thought, you know, how can we help people with this? How can we bring this to light and um, kind of deep dive into into the subject? So first, I want to just kind of start off from the very beginning. How? So what? Mm-hmm. describe your first experience with Hormonal birth control. And I want to specify that hormonal birth control is, has been shown to be uh, one of the causes of PCOS. Am I correct in that? That basically after women stop using the pill, they start to see the symptoms? Is that yeah, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of different um, forms of PCOS. Um, there's insulin resistant PCOS. There's something they term skinny PCOS. Oh, wow. Um, There is the post pill PCOS. Um, So a lot of different ways that this can manifest itself in someone Um, Mm -hmm. with what you're speaking of with the post pill PCOS. um, It, it seems it's not necessarily a long lasting diagnosis. So it's more temporary. However, Right. But it does affect women um, when they're coming off of that. Um, some Again, sometimes for a short time mm-hmm. where they are experiencing a lot of the symptoms and, and for them, hopefully it does not last. Right. Um, so, so to your original question of the experience with uh, yeah. hormonal birth control. So I, I first got my um, period in I, I was 16. I think I, it was, it was okay. never, ever, it was never regular ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so around 17, um, they put me on, they already started me on uh, hormonal birth control wow. to try and get that to, um, even out and, and occur monthly. Mm-hmm. Was that to uh, your, from your doctor, like a suggestion from your doctor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Went to, um, you know, seeing a gynecologist and, Mm-hmm. Th- they wanted to do that because they didn't like that it was irregular. Although looking back, you think um, perhaps it wasn't long enough mm, yeah. to really know if it would ever start I get to get that. regular. I mean, yeah. it's not really that long a time. No. Um, so I was on that um, from 17, I, a solid 10 years, yeah. 17 to 27. Um, right. a- and um come to the age of 27, I was, well, we had moved. So I moved to a different state, didn't have a doctor yet. So mm-hmm. that kind of got thrown off. I was also with, you know, 
who is now my husband. So it was kind of like less of a mm-hmm. concern yeah. from that sense. Um, but then shortly, well, I wouldn't say shortly, actually, I would say several years went <laughs> by um, before these symptoms really started to manifest themselves. Oh, okay. Um, so it was not an immediate thing, which is concerning to me in the sense of, was that because of how long I was on it? You know, right. Why are we on it so long? I guess is also another. Yeah. Question. That's a good question. Um, so, um, only in, I would say the last five years, mm-hmm. did I really start to have a problem for a while? Things were kind of consistent. And then, um, I went, I want to say like 14 months without a period at one point. Oh, wow. Okay. Which, you know, they, um, they get concerned about because that can lead to ovarian cancer, things like right. that. Right. Um, when, when you're not having it at least a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, I went to my doctor mm-hmm. here in New York and the first thing was, well, let's put you back on birth control. Yeah. I wasn't actively trying to have children, mm-hmm. um, in the sense of, you know, we weren't, you know, we weren't trying to purposely have kids. Right. So they felt in that sense, oh, well then this is, this is the answer, which kind of yeah annoys me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Like, so because I'm not actively trying to have kids, then that's your solution. That's but solution. if I said, Hey, we are trying, then we would have done something else or, right, or what? Right. It's basically like, the, there's a pill for everything theory. Right. And it's, um, so they put me on a low dose hormonal okay. birth control and I got incredibly sick, wow. incredibly sick. How, uh, how like vomiting? I was, or? I was dizzy. I couldn't eat. Yeah. I almost passed out a few times. Oh my gosh. Uh, to the point that I went to, now this was um, prescribed by my OB. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going to my um, primary care doctor sure. because that's who I could get into first. And she said, stop it immediately. Wow. It's yeah. And so I don't know what it was. Um, I don't know if it was because it was low dose hormonal versus mm-hmm. whatever I was on before. Right. Um, but a really, really bad reaction. Wow. That's, I've never heard of anybody having a reaction like that to hormonal. Yeah. And I was, I was, um, not expecting that because again, it was on, I had been off of it for a while, Right. but it was low dose. So I, I didn't think it would be that much of a change, but for some reason it was, I mean, it was terrible. I just, that sounds awful. Yeah. Couldn't eat. Couldn't, didn't feel like safe to drive. Like I, that I was that. Oh my God. And yeah. stuff like that, you know, all the time. Yeah. Um, so during this whole process, I knew something wasn't right. And I've started to, you know, experience other problems. There's a lot of negative, mm-hmm. you know, symptoms that occur from yeah. PCOS, especially, you know, it's from, you know, your hair thinning to weight gain, inability to lose weight to yeah. hair growing other places that you don't want it. It's mm-hmm. not fun. Right. Um, so it took, as I said, a good five years to get an actual diagnosis. And I think the only reason I got a diagnosis was because, um, the week of my 30th birthday, Hmm. I had immense abdominal pain. Wow. And, um, 
Craig took me to the hospital, mm-hmm. took me to the ER, mm-hmm. um, to the point that I couldn't, I couldn't stand, I couldn't do anything. Oh, um, aside from a potential appendicitis, mm-hmm. um, all they seemed to care about was if I was pregnant or not. Hmm. So when they, so I had to do a pregnancy test. I wasn't pregnant. Mm-hmm. They sent me home with 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. And it was still, it was still so bad. And to the point that I'm like, something is not right. Right. Um, I tried, that was on a Friday. I tried to get into a doctor, my primary care doctor that Monday. They couldn't get me in. They said, call your OB. They got me in. Mm -hmm. They did an ultrasound. Turns out I had a cyst on my fallopian tube that Mm. had, I had to have emergency surgery. Wow. That week, the day before my 30th birthday. Yeah. That's um, to remove, yeah. to remove. And so I feel like had that not happened, that then sort of was a catalyst for mm. them. Okay. Finally, they're going to send me to an endocrinologist and this and that. And that's when I finally got the diagnosis. Right. Wow. Um, I just, it's yeah, incredible but, that you had to go through all of that to right. get to a diagnosis. And And it's a little frustrating because you think as a woman, you're, your OB, you know, your gynecologist, like they should have a lot of methods to try. Yeah. They were unfortunately the ones that kept pushing the birth control. Yeah. You know, That's well, wild. they even did it um, right before that cyst had grown. I, they had seen a few cysts on um, another ovary during mm-hmm. this like regular exam and ultrasound. And so again, their solution to that was, we're going to put you on birth control for a couple of months because it'll help to shrink them. Oh, I have. So I had, so I had done that. Um, I didn't get as sick as the time before, but I had done that, but in the, and they were checking me every three months, but in that three months timeframe from when they saw that they were gone on one side, this other one grew. Wow. To the point that they were like, we don't know until we get in there, if we're going to have to, if we can remove it, or if we're going to have to take out like an ovary or what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's crazy. Yeah. So, um, that was really when I got the, um, diagnosis was actually from the endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told me that one of the biggest problems is that especially like your OB or your GYN, sometimes they won't, um, want, they won't diagnose it unless you literally have poly meaning multiple right cysts on your ovary. And that's like only one of the symptoms you know Interesting. I had I had every other one yeah you know yeah. so you know and and theoretically I did have some but I didn't have um cysts like some people have right but right. I had every other symptom that comes with it so she's right. like there's no way um so it was a relief to get that diagnosis and then that also came from um stem some further issues so yeah of course of course treatment well, that's interesting because uh, I was doing some research um, mm-hmm. for this discussion on this podcast today, and I was reading that, of course, like many other uh, many other things, a lot of women don't get all of these symptoms. You may have one of right. the symptoms, and mm-hmm. or people may have symptoms, but some of them may be more severe than others. I know personally. I mean, I don't. I've never been diagnosed with PCOS, but I have a bit of a history with um, with this stuff kind of, I'll say my, f- 
first experience with hormonal birth control was very different from yours. I got my period at a very young age. I was 12. And <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday because it was on Mother's Day. And I was outside playing with my <laughs> friends and came in to go to the bathroom. I was like, Mom! And, you know, so there was that. But I had never been... Uh, we'll say regular to the point where it was, you know, a specific day every month. And it was always just very painful. That's what I remember was just it being very painful. And I can remember a specific vacation that I was on, like a family vacation. And my dad was trying to like get us up and ready for the day and do whatever it was that we were doing. And he like rushed me out of bed and I got up and I got so dizzy and I had terrible cramps that I went straight to the bathroom and threw up. Because that's how bad my cramps were. And so it got to the point where I was in college. And of course, you know, I'm listening to my friends. Like some of them are on birth control because of what it's intended for. And there are others that are like, oh, yeah, my doctor put me on birth control because my cramps were so bad. And so I was I said to my mom, who didn't believe me at the time, I said, I need to go on birth control because I need to get these cramps. Like, just I have to do something about this. So went to the doctor and she's like, oh yeah, we could do that. So put me on birth control. I was definitely more regular and the pain subsided and Mm -hmm. a lot because it's not just cramps. I mean, it's just, you're feeling super tired. You don't want to get out of bed and things like that. So that's sort of subsided. Well, 15 years later, I wanted to get off of birth control because uh, naturally I'm just a bit of a hippie. I don't want foreign things in my body that I don't necessarily need to have. And I thought, well, I'm just going to get off of this. So I had asked my doctor, I've been asking for several years to get my tubes tied because. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know you have. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't want kids. Like I've always known that my husband doesn't want kids. Like, so my doctor at the time said, all right, I'll do it on one condition. She said, I want you to try another method of birth control before I do the surgery. So I said, sure, fine, hook me up. So she suggested an IUD. Now, I didn't have, um, I don't think Skyla, it was Skyla at the time. Um, I don't think that's a hormonal one. I don't think it was. I I never used that, so I don't know what. It was just, it was whatever the smallest one was, because apparently I have a very inhospitable environment to carry children anyway, so. (laughs) Sure, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I got this and immediately gained like 20 pounds and I hadn't, I hadn't changed anything in my diet. I hadn't changed anything in my activity. And so I don't really know if it was due to the IUD or if it was just me going off of the birth control pill. So I hated it, hated it. So I eventually, months later, had my doctor take it out. And I still never lost that 20 pounds. Like, I carry it with me to this day. This was years ago. I ended up getting my tubes tied. um, But I still have some inkling that hormones are the reason for some of the other symptoms that I had. Um, I also had a cyst on my ovary that I went to the Mm -hmm. emergency room for because I was in terrible pain, couldn't stand up. And... It, I think at some point had burst before yes. oh. or in the process of getting to the hospital because the only thing that they could come up with as far as why I was in so much pain was because I had extra fluid. So mm-hmm. they came up with a theory that there was maybe a cyst and it burst in that time frame. So 
since then, I mean, I've had other things happen, but I don't doubt that maybe if I went far enough, maybe, you know, I could have some of the same symptoms of PCOS or that some women have. Maybe I don't actually have an official diagnosis, but I don't think that, you know, we're, we're definitely not the only ones that deal with some form of this, um, this condition. Right. And I certainly don't think that the, um, at least in my situation, I don't think that the birth control caused the PCOS. Right. Um, I'll tell you this. My cousin has it. Okay. Um, my mom has it. My mom was diagnosed. Interesting. Te- technically diagnosed after me. Okay. But going back to, you know, their journey to conceive and everything like that. I did not ask her permission to talk about this, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Susan. You, know, you know, back in the mid eighties, I was born in 1985 and um, it took them a year to conceive. Yeah. And um, there's a good chance, especially now that she has the diagnosis, it wasn't mm-hmm. something they were diagnosing then. Right. You know, it was just Got keep it. trying. It'll happen, you know, on and on. Yeah. Um, and it just wasn't as widely talked about, even though I think it still isn't talked about enough. No, no, you now, definitely don't hear a lot about it. But what I do think the hormonal birth control did for a long time is mask everything. Uh, you know, yeah. I think this would have been the case for me either way. It is shown to, to be um, something that you can genetically mm-hmm. inherit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that for a long time, it was masked because of the hormones that mm-hmm. I was on that were, were causing that. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just interesting. Another thing I, I know I spoke or I t- uh, wanted to mention too, was when I did get on the hormonal birth, birth control, um, uh, I had no issues when I came off of it. The only reason I could, again, still erratic, mm-hmm. um, menstrual cycle, but I could tell I was going to get my period because I would get a migraine the day before like debilitating migraine the day before. Yeah. And so, you know, just another thing that, again, I didn't get when I was on the hormonal birth control um, at all, never had that, never really had cramps or anything like that. But coming off of that, that was the only way I could Mm -hmm. tell that I was probably, you know, going to get it was because I would have a terrible migraine the day before to the point that I was then put on medication for that. Ugh, this is a vicious cycle. This is really a yeah. vicious cycle. So yeah. I so I kind of feel like, and I feel the same way. I did a podcast, another podcast, actually, where I was a guest. Uh, we talked about how our generation was, our, our generation experienced a push to go to college. Mm-hmm. I think more, and studies show that our generation was pushed more so to go to college than other generations. And I'm kind of feeling the same way about um, hormonal birth control pills. So, I mean, when I, we were young, I feel like everybody was on them or mm-hmm. everybody was prescribing them. And it was just kind of like a normal rite of passage into adult womanhood that you were on birth control. And I get it. It was convenient. It was easy. It was something that you only had to think about once a day. And so I don't know. Do you think that our generation was pushed more towards hormonal birth control than other generations? I mean, I don't, I honestly, I don't know because I, I don't know what it was like for like my mom. Right. I mean, it is easy for us to talk about what we know, what we know. 
and not having children myself, you know, mm-hmm. if I had a teenager now, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps I could speak more so to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, uh, is it still as popular or what the, the current trend is? Right. I would assume it's still as popular because, yeah, I mean, I know I have friends who have kids who are of yeah. that age. And or maybe we just have more options now too. It, right. It certainly could be more options. Um, I don't know. Um, I'd be interested to know if it's still the uh, go-to. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, is that, is that solving issues? <laughs> yeah. Getting people to do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, just looking at your own experience, which, which was not during your teenage years, right. but I would assume based on what you've experienced, what I've experienced in the last few years, that it is still mm-hmm. pushed somewhat heavily I mean why why do you as a 30 something year old woman Mm -hmm. need to try another form of birth control in order to finally get what you wanted yeah I I did think that was incredibly interesting at the time and I had been asking now I've only had a handful of doctors in my lifespan because and simply because I had moved as well and needed to go to a different space and you know why wasn't I had been asking for years and usually the answer was well you're so young you might change your mind and I get maybe some people maybe most people do I don't know but I was pretty clear in the fact that I wanted to do this why was I given only that option to try another method before she actually went through the sur- with the surgery. So, you know, what is the method behind the madness is, I guess, right. what I'm trying to get at. But, you know, it, it is easy for us to talk about what we know because we experienced it. But, yes, mm-hmm. it would be interesting to hear from someone who has a teenage daughter or anybody that was a teenager, you know, during the 60s and 70s, you know, what mm-hmm. was – when you were experiencing symptoms or what was the ideal – prescribed method other than what it was intended for um, and how to heal yourself. But as someone who is going through PCOS, what would be Mm -hmm. some advice that you would give to someone who's also experiencing PCOS or at least the symptoms? I mean, you know, you definitely want to, um, depends how, how you feel about doctors, etc. I'll mm-hmm. tell you this, I felt a relief mm-hmm. when I finally was got a diagnosis because okay. I felt like I started to feel almost like I was going crazy. Right. You know, right. Between the cysts that I had and the pain with that. And I'm trying to tell these people, you know, especially like in the emergency room, like there's something's not right. Yeah. Something isn't right. Yeah. You almost um, did you almost feel like somebody yeah. was finally hearing you? Yeah. Because yeah. it just was, you know, and I had gone into to my you know, gynecologist several times and talked extensively about every time I went in there, it's not regular. It's not regular. It's not regular. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, well, we'll put you on birth, you know, it's just like, right. And then when I was off of it and we were married mm-hmm. um, and I had been off of it for a few years, I, I was hesitant to go back onto it because sure. I thought, well, what if we did decide to have kids? Right. Um, am, am I going to derail that? by going back on for yeah. a period of time? Is that going to like mess everything up? And then, cause some people come off of birth control and they tell them, 
you know, it could be a year before your body right regulates itself yeah again because it doesn't probably know how Mm -hmm. (laughs) all that time. (laughs) Like so, you know, I I just was hesitant from that standpoint because what's the purpose of it? It's not really helping much of anything at this point. Right. Um, so getting the diagnosis was good. Mm -hmm. Um, what I didn't love in the second part of that was the um yet again medication I was prescribed yeah yeah that was that's um um... (laughs) right so another um, question I had too mm -hmm. so the diagnosis was was good just because I kind of knew what I was dealing with it all fell in line with the symptoms I was having Mm -hmm. um but then the most commonly prescribed medication um especially my type of PCOS is insulin resistant PCOS okay so in order to uh, which is what causes some of the weight gain and sure. issue, losing weight, things like that. Sure, yeah. So uh, you have to watch your blood sugar levels and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. So the most commonly prescribed medication is something called metformin. Okay. Metformin is a commonly prescribed type two diabetes medicine. Okay. Okay. Right. Because of the insulin problem. Sure. Makes sense. Okay. I'll try it. You know, like. I've heard some you know. things about that. Mm-hmm. Awful. I mean, yeah. for me personally, mm-hmm. some people have no problem, but a lot of people have a poor reaction to it. Um, okay. I had incredible stomach problems to the point that I wasn't eating because I was just wow. nauseous all the time. And I wasn't even near the dose they wanted me to be taking daily. Oh, wow. Um, I think they wanted me to be taking like 1500 milligrams a day. And I was at five so who fought for your um for what you should be taking was it you because you know your body and you thought I don't know that I want to do that right away right so I started with um the 500 because they they kind of um start you low to then okay try and, and and increase okay um and and I wasn't tolerating the 500 and this get me don't get me wrong was over a, another like year span right where I was going in there every three months mm. and I was like I can't you know I can't tolerate it like my stomach hurts all the time I'm not eating yeah um you know I guess maybe I'd lose weight that way I don't know but you know <laughs> not ideal so, yeah but like this I can't sustain this no of course not right? and, and I certainly can't increase it yeah so um it got to and and you know, and every time it was just, well, you know, just try to increase it or, you know, at least just take the 500, like never another option provided, not another. Yeah. Like, is there not any other medication to try or, you know, and and the gastrointestinal issue is the biggest side effect of metformin that people have. Okay. And, um, so it just, it's, it's hard for me to believe that there's no other option right? to try if someone's having such a poor reaction to it to the point that they can't even increase at all right to what you want them to be at yeah so then I'm thinking well if I can't increase it is it going to do what it needs to do and why am I going to put myself through this if it's not even going to help absolutely absolutely totally understood yeah um yeah so maybe by divine intervention I don't know we went a year where we didn't have insurance and so yeah. I wasn't going regularly to the endocrinologist because it was very expensive. 
Sure. During that time, I stopped taking the metformin, Mm -hmm. which I'm not going to advise someone to do. Um, But I also started to do a lot of my own research. And I talked to my cousin who had done extensive research Mm -hmm. um, into other options for PCOS. Did that include natural supplements or other yeah. medications. Okay. Yeah. So, um, there, there were, my mom was put on a different medication. I never tried that one. Okay. Um, but she seemed to tolerate that better. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin who was trying to, she had been diagnosed at, at a very young age mm-hmm. with this. Okay. So she had been dealing with it a lot longer than I had. And she was at a point where she was married. They were trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. And before they tried IVF, she wanted to try Right. Something a little bit more naturally. Mm-hmm. So um, she gave me some insight into that. And I started to do my own research. And mm-hmm. I found essentially, I take about seven supplements oh, wow. to try and curb um, and do what the metformin um, is supposed to do. Okay. Uh, but with none, with none of the side effects of right. what the metformin does. Right. Um, so there's a couple that are, are directly linked to like, they'll compare directly to metformin. Some of the other ones are just kind of ancillary that I'm choosing to take Mm -hmm. for my specific type of PCOS. Right. Right. Um, Do you find them helpful? I, I do. Um, They certainly, you know, the metformin or the medication may have, may have done things quicker if I was able to stay with it, but that wasn't an option to me. And I just thought, I don't want to, keep doing this. Sure. You know, Absolutely. I don't want to keep putting the stuff in my body and, you know, I know it's a lot of supplements too, but yeah, to but me, I feel better about it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can try to somehow get this under control with minimal side effects versus being in constant pain and not even wanting to eat every day, I mean, sounds kind of like a no-brainer. Right, exactly. So there's there's um, a few, um, again, like I said, that are direct correlation to metformin, and this with studies have shown to be just as effective, yeah, as the actual drug. The other thing was um, at a point between taking the supplements and taking myself off metformin, there was a big to do about metformin causing cancer. Oh, <laughs> potentially oh. in people. Oh, okay. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And so it was kind of like, you know, again, again, yeah. you know, what I was able to tolerate wasn't going to get me where I needed to be any faster, probably yeah. than yeah, the supplements absolutely. and plus that on top of it. Sure. Can you tell us what some of the most successful supplements have been for you? Yeah. So, um, I take a combination of it's, um, uh, myo. D Cairo and Nostatol. And it's basically, um, well, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it's basically in the B vitamin family. Okay. Okay. Uh, another thing with metformin was it really depletes your B vitamins. Wow. So, um, actually we're going to, I was going to have to supplement that back in anyway, mm-hmm. because it just sucks it out. Um, yeah. so it's, it's the Inositol, it's the, uh, and, uh, berberine are, a, um, and we're not talking about the designer. No, not Burberry. <laughs> Burber- <laughs> Berberine, which Burberry. is, um, uh, let me tell you here because I can't remember off the top of my head. 
Yeah. Um, I did. Uh, I did some a little bit of research and found licorice root yeah. and white peony. Licorice. Yeah. Okay. Licorice root. Um. So uh, the the berberine is from a plant. Mm-hmm. The um, inositol is B vitamin. I also mm-hmm. take uh, turmeric. Uh-huh. Um, Great for anti-inflammatory. With, with the insulin resistance, mm-hmm. more susceptible to inflammation being sure. a trigger on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I should be working to go back to a gluten-free diet also for the inflammation. Okay. I yeah. think that would be um, helpful. Sense. Um, I take cinnamon mm-hmm. for the blood glucose. Okay. Um, I take a regular multivitamin mm-hmm. and then... Um, I think that's most of it. Okay. And I, I do want to make sure that we make it very clear that we are not doctors and mm-hmm. we do not recommend no. no anyone just quitting any prescribed medication and starting to take your own supplements. That is not what we're conveying here. That's not the message. We're talking about what works for Lauren and her symptoms and her lifestyle. Yeah, I had done some, I had taken some of the supplements um, and then I had started a few of those with the, through a consultation with a nutritionist specifically okay. regarding PCOS again, yeah. but for my situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love, honestly, I, it just in my own personal experience, I look at food as medicine, um, mm-hmm. in some shape or form. And I love the fact that there are people that go to a nutrition, nutritionist or a dietitian and talk about how they can adjust their eating habits to heal what's going on in their body. And because I just, you know, food and drink, I mean, beverages, everything that we put into our body is somehow affecting us. And if we can use it to heal something that's going on, or at least attempt and try or supplement healing, um, I just think that's brilliant because, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm by no means, um, you know, anti-doctor, anti-medication. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometime, I don't know, it was just a real awakening for me when it was just visit after visit after visit of feeling like, yeah, like you said doctor earlier, you're fatigue. not being, <laughs> yeah, you're not being heard. Right. Um, you know, and, and your solution isn't going to work. Yeah. You know. Even with the birth control, you can't stay on it forever. No, of course not. You know, no. I mean, eventually they're going to take you off of it. And so then what? Yeah. No, you I know. think the, the, the super, super important message to take away from this and the moral of the story is literally fight for yourself. Fight mm-hmm. to get an answer. Fight to to get it done and handle it and get it under control. And don't just take the first opinion that has been given to you. That's all it is, is what it is. It's an opinion. And, you know, there are just, there are so many more resources out there available to everyone. Just, you know, if you want to find something out, if there's something going on with you, or if you even just, the message here is to just fight for it, fight for you, fight for, to know, to get as much education as you can, just handle it handle basically handle your shit that's the message (laughs) yeah no I mean I was I was very happy um once you were able to have your procedure done just because I know how long of a journey that had been for you to get somebody to even listen long enough yeah to not just say well you're still you're still young enough to have kids and just miss you from that and that that's purely an opinion too I mean look I get it 
you have to go by the masses, right? So I'm sure that there are a lot of women that come into their doctors and they're 24 years old and they're like, I'm never having kids and I don't want them. And, you know, they do change their minds when they're older and maybe their doctors do perform the procedure and they regret it, you know, but they still, there are options. Some of the procedures um, make it reversible. It's not easy, but, and it's not necessarily um, it made an option just because it's not ideal, but you know, I just, I didn't feel heard. That's absolutely right. true. Um, I mean, I'd been asking honestly, since I was 18 years old to get this done, I just, I knew it. And you know, anybody I told, nobody really believed me, but you know, I don't know. It, it, it's just get your message out there get her a diagnosis and start the healing process because life is too short to deal with all of this and not be comfortable and enjoying life it it just yeah that's the message here um and now you're no longer on any sort of hormonal birth control right yeah your procedure so but they did tell me they did tell me after my procedure that if things didn't kind of work itself out because your body has to take a little bit of time to get back to normal. If it didn't, we could talk about a low dose birth control pill. So that was an option. And I was like, Oh no, uh -uh, I'm not doing this. I'm not going down this route. So yeah, no, that was the option. And I was like, no, I'm done with this. (laughs) I'm going to figure it out on my own. Do you still have the um, intensity that you did like when you were younger before you were put on birth control? No, no, I don't. I think that I've just, I've now finally gotten to a point where I've figured out what works for me and what doesn't. Like I know my situation is a little bit simpler in the sense that I figured out if I drink anything carbonated a few days leading up to a period, like I'm just going to be that much more bloated or cramps are going to be that much more painful. You know, I, there are certain things of caffeine for sure, um, can irritate, irritate me. I don't, I never really got headaches or migraines. Um, Mm -hmm. I do more so with allergies, but there's no real, I mean, in the spring I get like, I think it was last week, every day I woke up with a giant headache, but I take an allergy pill and I'm fine. (laughs) So this week I'm fine. You know, I just, I didn't need it, but no, it's, um, it's a very interesting cycle. It really, for really sure. is. For sure. Know. It's, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, I mean, you do think uh, just to touch on what you said earlier with uh, the push in our generation for college and things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, making again around the same time, you're having those decisions be made, right. Um, whether it's influence from parents, influence from doctors and whatever influence from peers, yes, whatever it is. Um, and so it, being 36 now thinking back to 17 it's like you know (laughs) yeah if this were a video podcast you would have been able to see the cringe on her face (laughs) yeah yeah like you know it's just interesting to think that you make some of the decisions or or societally we're supposed to yeah at such a some of the decisions volatile age right so um yeah and how much you change from that point on absolutely absolutely well, I think this has been an incredibly successful discussion. 
Um, and I hope that people listen to this and take some tidbits away and some suggestions and, you know, just listen to the message and just make sure that you get yourself heard, get diagnosis yep. and, you know, just get it done. So, you know, to end on a little bit more of a lighter note um, on this podcast, when I remember to ask the guest... <laughs> Right. <laughs> At the end of each episode, we like to do a sort of uh, what the Nell uh, moment or segment where I ask our guest to tell us a story that will leave you, the listener, asking what the Nell just happened there. Like what the Nell went on or what, huh? What happened? <laughs> something quirky, something interesting that people just either won't believe or, you know, something like that. So, here officially, uh, give us a little what the Nell story. Well, I was thinking about this um, the whole time, and it was the part I was most nervous about because I'm like, <laughs> most of the things that I'm like, what the Nell were happened to other people. I guess oh, that's fine. You can so, tell other people's stories. <laughs> <laughs> so all I had was um, only because this fits in the the climate of life that um, Craig and I are in is um, <laughs> it's not super funny but you know last week i live in upstate new york so in upstate new york you're allowed to have snow tires on a car for a uh, time, yeah, yeah. and you have to take them off in april okay. so on monday april 18th i got them taken off and on uh-huh. tuesday april 19th we had five <laughs> inches of snow um in which my car is front wheel drive and oh not no only, not only wouldn't go anywhere but then i also got stuck in the front of our driveway <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have a giant like hole for my tire spinning <laughs> at the edge of our lawn. Uh, that Craig's probably not too thrilled Who said about. This wasn't funny. To Thinking the point of that, you stuck in a ditch is oh really God. funny to me. Yeah, and some of the things that were said in that car while I was just literally <laughs> spinning my tires, um, and then to the point that Craig had to uh, pull me out with his truck, <laughs> <laughs> and so. So this is the, all in our driveway. So oh, that's I great. Take, I take his truck to work. Mm-hmm. I get out of our driveway. Roads are fine. Pristine. <laughs> Not a, nothing on Pristine. It. Yeah. So um, it's just another. That's definitely a what the Nell story. <laughs> right. What the Nell and, you know, there's certain places this won't happen. Right. So. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, so, but you getting your snow tires off the day before you have a snowstorm yeah. is definitely like, what the hell? Like, come on, yeah. seriously. <laughs> like, I, so I get them off. I go to work after that. Mm-hmm. And then that afternoon they're telling me uh, a friend of mine is like, yeah, so there's like a nor'easter coming and we're right in the like <laughs> six to 12 inch range. And I'm like, no. And, and, and also Monday was 60 degrees. Of course. I'm Welcome like, oh, to life no, in the Northeast. Yeah. I'm like, that's not going to happen. It's 60 degrees right now. How is it possible? It's never going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Sure did. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that's my most fantastic. recent. I like it. I like it. That's a good story. I'm sure that there are many other people that can relate. And I'm also sure that in your area, not so much here, because I just feel like it's we're in a valley and it's just weird. But... If they say that you're getting six to 12 inches, I'll bet you're getting six to 12 inches. Yeah, I really was skeptical. And then the amount that was on top of the cars yeah. was 
I mean, there was probably at least four on the cars. Right. <laughs> on, on the roof of the car. So, and it was heavy and then it started to rain. So it was oh. like freezing. And, this is like a horrible mess. <laughs> it is. So. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah, that's, uh, that's fantastic. So thank you for telling us that little, uh, <laughs> what the Nell stories. <laughs> So I think that's kind of where we're going to uh, to let it go here. Um, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for to Lauren for coming on and talking about this journey. I don't know that you've ever spoken publicly um, so much no, about this. Nope. Yeah, this is um, not something for the faint of heart, uh, especially to just put it out there. So really big thank you to you for doing that. And also thank you um, for letting for doing it on this space. So, you know, my goal is to get people's messages out there and get heard and talk about, you know, what the hell is going on here? You know, that's kind of what we're trying to do, get to the bottom of some things. So um, thanks again. And thank you to you, all of the listeners um, for tuning in and stay tuned for next week, which will be another fun uh, episode. Well, I mean, I don't know if this one was so much as fun as it was informative, but we had some fun. But next week will be a good episode as well. So thanks again, and thanks for listening to Let Them Know.